Yo, what's up, everyone? In this episode, I got the amazing opportunity to chat with a great friend of mine, Abby Scott, a senior enlisted leader in the United States Air Force and author of numerous articles on the Lama Leadership page. During our discussion, we talked on the importance of effective followership, the role of failure in innovation and problem solving, and much, much more. We did have some minor technical difficulties during this episode, but we promise that the value of the discussion is absolutely worth the listen. Enjoy. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on life, learning, and leadership. I'm Joe Bogdan. I'm honored and excited to have a great friend of mine as a guest on the podcast, Abby Scott, a senior enlisted leader in the United States Air Force that has led numerous professional organizations at the national level and currently oversees 180 people composed of both U.S. military and civilian personnel at Joint Base Pearl Harbor, Hickam, Hawaii. What's What's up, brother? How you doing? What's going on, man? Long time no see. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, yeah. I was like, earlier, um, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, we've known each other pretty much our entire career. We grew up in the Air Force <laughs> together, and it's just wild. Literally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. It's funny, man, because we, uh, we were at Robbins and Combat Com, uh, and then Combat Com again in Korea, and then Camp Zama, the, the oasis that Zama is uh, for yeah. a little bit of time. So, yeah, man, our first three assignments together, man, it's been a while. Yeah, so that was wild because I remember uh, I remember this one vividly. I remember we were both, I mean, after we were both in Combat Com, we both ended up in Korea. And I was actually at Osan, you're at the hump. And I was outside the bus station. Yeah. And then we both looked at each other and was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, where are you going next? We're like, oh, I'm going to this place that nobody heard of. I was like, well, where are you going? Camp Zama. I was like, so am I. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was yeah. nuts, man. It was good times, but um, how it worked. one thing, yeah, one thing I've always appreciated about you is, man, is is you're super analytical, but you're super and you're super real about things. So, and what I mean by that is, like, there's a couple people that I look at, uh, and you, Herman Brown, a couple other folks that I look at, and when y'all like look at something, you don't take it at face value, right? Like, it's so easy <laughs> to do that nowadays, and that's one thing that I've always thought about. Abby Scott was. If there's a thing that's out there, just because it's the most popular thing to believe in, it don't mean that it's the right thing. And then you're going to look at it. And, and I've always, I always thought that was a great, uh, a great characteristic that you have. I appreciate it, man. I mean, I, I can't lie. That's probably gotten me in trouble. You know what I mean? A couple of times as well, too. You know As it does. It's it's tough, you know, but I, I appreciate that, man. I, I That's something that I actually, um, will say that I, I probably try and do with everything, right? Is just kind of look at it for, for what it is, right? Um, I have probably realized more so over the last few years of my career that not a lot of people are able to do that. So I take it as a blessing, man. And I, that's probably something I took for granted for, for quite some time, um, being able to see things multifaceted, if you will, right, from different approaches and different perspectives. Um, so, man, I, I pretty, I'm glad you noticed. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. If there's anything I, I kind of can at least if I, I don't have many talents, but the one I have is probably like being identified good people and, and you're one of them. So um, thanks for being here. I'll bro. take it. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, 
appreciate Man. it. So, hey, I wanted to give this opportunity because, um, because you know, I always say this, man, every airman has a story, you know, we're regurgitating that same saying, but it's true. You know, every airman does have a story. And until you ask that story, a lot, a lot of us are inherently humble and we don't need to share it all the time. But I think for our listeners, it'd be great if we could hear a little bit about you and how you got to be who you are today, um, a little bit about your history and maybe some of your trials and tribulations like most of us have, you know, and, and you kind of alluded to it probably a couple of times that might've got you in trouble a little bit, some of your sure, greatest characteristics, yeah. which is very, very common, but. I'd love to hear a little bit about you. Yeah, man. So, you know, I, I grew up in Dallas, right? I was, I was born in South Carolina, grew up in Dallas. Um, you know, what, what's funny is my, my parents are uh, preachers, they're, they're ministers. And so we, uh, I grew up in Dallas, did my whole schooling, right, uh, in Dallas, except my my senior year. And so they moved us back to South Carolina, to a small town, Beaufort, South Carolina. It's actually where Paris Island, where the Marines do uh, their basic training. Uh, and so they moved us back there right before, two weeks before my senior year. And so um, being faith-based people, um, it, it was the Lord telling them, hey, listen, it's time to go back home. And so for me, what was crazy is that I, uh, I, I just went. I didn't question it, man. I mean, I was like, yeah, well, I know this is literally all I've known my entire life, <laughs> but uh, t- time to go. You know, my mom, she's uh, she's definitely somebody that's really important to me. I use a lot of her one-liners all the time. She, she's got a million of them, but, you know, uh, for me, you know, I, I take things from her all the time and I lean on her um, for really kind of making me uh, – who I am, you know, kind of as a man, if you will. And not to say that my father, you know, I mean, wasn't a part of that. But, uh, you know, I remember, you know, when I was 14 years old, so my mom had a, uh, a resume writing desktop publishing business. Now, again, we're talking about 1994, right? Um, where people actually had to go somewhere and get their resumes made, right? <laughs> and uh, at summer, she had to go out of town and for about a month. And so she was like, hey, I don't just so I'm oh, all right, sure. So I went in, had my little suit and tie, and uh, I, I ran the business for a month. I mean, I, I literally, as a 14-year-old, was writing resumes, right, doing desktop publishing for adults to get them jobs, right, as a 14-year-old. So just imagine, you know, their shock and surprise as they call and walk in, and it's this 14-year-old me writing their resume. Uh, but we did, man. We got some folks some jobs, man. So it was. I, I say that to say that, uh, you know, she started me off young, right, understanding the importance of professionalism. Right. Uh, and really just owning what it is. Of course, you know, when you walk in the room and people see a 14 year old, they're out. Right. But at the end of the day, most of them stayed and got, uh, you know, what they, what they paid for. Um, and that was because of the way that I corresponded with them afterwards. You know, I didn't become a 14 year old, you know, after our interaction, I've kind of taken that mentality with me, you know, throughout the, the rest of my life. And so, you know, I kind of joined the Air Force by accident, really. I, uh, I was working, going to school full time um, and was, was, was probably partying a little more than I had planned on and uh, got put on academic probation. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, let me let me let me let me try something different. And I literally stumbled upon uh, the Air Force office. And so I took the ASVAB, killed it. And next thing I know, three months later, I'm in the Air Force. And so I kind of happened really quick. Uh, joy, man, it's been a blessing. I've uh, I've been stationed all around the world, uh, mostly in the Pacific. I uh, was in Japan for seven years. You know, you, you were part, I think, about three or four years of that. Um, but I, I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, I wasn't always all in. You know, I did not join 
you know, for a lot of the same reasons that everybody else did. I joined, like I said, kind of by accident. I just wanted to see where the journey would take me. Um, and, and it really took for a, a great chief, uh, Chief Neely. He was actually the comm squadron chief. Uh, he was our chief, right, for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really kind of took me under his wing uh, when I was a staff sergeant because I was, I was hell-bent on getting out. Um, but I didn't have a plan. And uh, he really kind of pulled me to the side and kind of, if you want to call it re-blued, right, really re-blued me and, and got me back into uh, the fold. And I tell you, it was one of the best decisions that I made, you know, for sure. Um, but uh, since then, man, it's just been a, a journey of, of, of life lessons, right? Um, trying to figure out how to, how to make it happen uh, in a dual military world. My Wife, a lot of people, but my wife uh, is in the army, so she just got picked up for Sergeant Major. Um, so it's a uh, that in itself is a is a struggle, right? Trying to just maintain in a in an environment like that. So, but yeah, yeah, that's me. So would you say uh, it was when? Because even after Chief Neely might you know helped you out and, and got you to commit a little bit longer, would you say that's when um, you were fully committed, or or do you feel like it was somewhere down the road, or how would you describe that? Yeah, you know, so it, it, it's funny you say that because what what he did was he planted a seed. It was really one of the first mm-hmm. times that somebody had really invested in me, um, and somebody that's environment right uh, that I value. And of course, as a staff sergeant, right, a chief, you know, a squadron chief, and we were a GSU, right, geographically mm-hmm. separated unit. Um, and so for him to invest in me. Uh, that that meant something. And so uh, what I didn't want to do was really disappoint him. And so I, th- I would say that was the seed uh, that was planted. And then uh, when I PCS from there uh, to Korea, uh, another seed was planted by actually a civilian um, uh, who was my supervisor at the time, who really kind of, uh, again, invested in me from a from an ownership standpoint, right? I was doing project management and we were on Osan. I had, oh man, an insane amount of projects. I was a project manager over the second runway, building a new air traffic control tower, building a new uh, radar, new RAPCON uh, elementary school. And he was just giving them to me, like, I trust you, make it happen, right? And so it really, I, I found something in me that was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, and it just was cultivated, you know what I mean, from there by other folks just kind of investing right in me uh, as a person to the point to where, yeah, I absolutely was all in, you know, but but definitely Chief Neely planted that first seed. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. And I, I say, like, you know, we hear these stories and um, and almost always you can kind of, any success story, you can kind of take it back and be like, hey, there was people that helped along the way. Cause you know, we all need that help, whether we know it or not. Right. We need some, mm-hmm. some guidance and help. And, um, and, and then, you know, unfortunately some people just focus on, on the, on the negative people in their lives, but there's a lot, if you look real <laughs> right. hard, man, there's some great people out there that can sure, help yeah. you and have helped us along the way. Right. Yeah. I do uh, have a funny story about the outside run that way one of these days, but probably not for this podcast. We have to talk about because I went back to Korea. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I went back to Korea like at tw- end of 2015 and that, that, that runway. Yeah. It was good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but, that wasn't yeah, my fault so, yeah 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 we, 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 won't, we won't tag you there I, I have an idea i know whose fault was so it doesn't sure yeah <laughs> but um man so so you you're you're that young you're doing resumes right so 
and you're get, you're gaining a lot of skills. And I always say, man, it's like there's a Mr. Miyagi thing going on. You know, when when, when you got to do the wax on, wax off, and you're, right, you're right. painting the fence, what are you learning, right? You're learning all these different things. And part of it was probably attention to detail, you know, you some discipline, but then some writing skills, which we clearly have seen because you've written, you basically <laughs> become part of the Llama family, right? Because you've written sure, some yeah. great articles for our, our, our site. And one that hasn't even been released yet, but I thought we could do a little prelude to that one. But the one that we released just this week of this recording, um, and we'll probably release this a little bit down the road, but just this week of this recording, it, it, it's, it's gotten some traction. This one's definitely got some traction and, and it's titled Leadership is Overrated. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, like, what, let's unpack that a little bit. Like, where, what was the inspiration behind you writing that? Yeah, man. So, you know, leadership is overrated. Um, uh, it isn't to mean that, you know, leadership isn't important. <laughs> In fact, it's, it's the exact opposite. You know, I think leadership is kind of the pinnacle, right, of what a person can do in any given situation, right? So let's take rank, position, let, let's throw all that stuff away, right? Let's just start at a clean slate with just person, right? Mm -hmm. When you talk about what makes a person a leader, well, the basic definition that people will willingly follow, period, right? But the willingly is very important here. <laughs> And, and what I say by leadership is overrated is we make an assumption that everybody can do that, right? E everyone can, can be a leader. And, and I don't believe so. I think that you could put anyone in a leadership position, right? You could say that there are leadership traits that people have, but everybody can't be the leader, right? And any given strike and we're trying to go and dig a ditch somewhere somebody's going to step up and be the leader and the other nine people are going to be the followers and we're not going to vote on it right we're not going to say hey by show of hands someone's just going to step up it's going to happen organically and everyone else is going to follow it happens all the time right that's true leadership right and we're going to follow them because maybe they're the most knowledgeable or you know they step up and have a great game plan or whatever it may be right um, but they're going to demonstrate um, leadership traits and skills, and we're going to say, hey, that, that's the person we want to follow. So when I say leadership is overrated, uh, what I'm saying is that there's an overemphasis, in my opinion, on being an effective leader. Uh, we just got to give you the, the tools, right? Read this book, do this thing, watch this podcast, <laughs> right? And you're going to be a great leader. And, and, and I don't think that's true. But what I do think that everyone can do is be a great follower, right? That that doesn't actually take um, the same organic level of emphasis, right, um, and talent that that leadership does, right? In any given situation, you know, again, if you prescribe to my notion, there's going to be one leader, right? Well, everyone else is a follower, so if everyone else is following, well, then maybe we should focus a little more on followership. So what the article was really about was that it, it was about followership, right? Um, and, uh, you know, the, the leadership is overrated. Yeah, it, it's just to say that, you know, in our society, it's where we put our emphasis. And again, that's, that's not to say that leadership is not important. And I think that sometimes people can, can see leadership is overrated and think that I mean that leadership is not important. And it's the opposite. Leadership is the most important. It's so important. Not everyone can do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, man, there's a lot to unpack there. That's some pretty good stuff because I think, you know, you, you talk about a, everybody could be a great follower, but how, but so many are not good at it, right? So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's possible that part of the reason why is because we fed them with the notion that they can be the best leader the whole time, Correct. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting discussion. And, and in that article, man, I, I remember you brought up a touchy yeah. subject that, and this is where I go back to, Abi is willing to, to look at something for what it is, right? You brought sure, up yeah. the whole, the, the, uh, the Navy commander thing, right? You brought, and, you, and you brought that up, right? And it's funny because I was like, everybody I saw, and, I, and I'm the dude who likes to, um, I don't have to react to everything. I just want to kind of see what's going on, right? And that's the way I've always been. I like to see what's going on because I want to get everybody's perspective from it. But like I would say 99% of my social media feed was like, yeah, he did the right thing. He did the right thing, right? And then you're sitting there, you're wondering like, okay, but we, there's a lot we don't know, right? Behind the Correct. scenes of what actually right. happened. Absolutely. But, right. but you had a great perspective on, on the followership piece. Would you mind like chatting on that a little bit? Yeah. So, and, and, and let me preface this by saying, I don't know everything right. you know what I mean? right. that occurred either. Right. I don't have any inside right. information here. Right. But, but right. what my perspective was, was that everyone looked at that situation from what I, I saw same, which is he demonstrated great leadership, right? He took care of his people. He was doing what was right. Um, he, he spoke up and by all means, he, he demonstrated what we expect of all leaders. Okay. And you know what? I'm not even disagreeing with that. that that's fine. That's fair. Um, what I am saying is, but he also didn't demonstrate proper followership because the reason from what I know, from what has been released publicly, right, that he was uh, relieved wasn't because he failed as a leader. He failed as a follower, right? He failed to execute things in the proper way that we communicate in the military utilizing your chain of command. That's like day one. You know, like literally when you arrive at basic training, we talk about chain of command, right? Um, and, and he failed to properly utilize that. So in essence, you know, as a, a command, it's leadership. It's not relegated to commanders only, but a person in a position of leadership, you're put in that position because we expect there to be a certain level of calm, steadiness, right? Um, leadership ability to be able to weather the storm, right? Um, and when things don't go your way, we still expect you to follow the leadership of those above you, a as simple as that. And from what I understand, that's why he was relieved. He didn't execute proper followership. So for those below him, he could have been the greatest commander in the world. I'm, I'm not arguing that. But what I'm saying is that from a follower perspective, he looked only through his leadership lens and did not act from my perspective as an effective follower, right? Um, because I've never been at war, right? I've never had to, to make a call from that standpoint. But I would imagine um, that as a commander of a war vessel, there may be a situation where we need you to execute faithfully in a wartime situation. And if you can't communicate effectively in this type of situation, how can I trust you in the next, right? And again, this is, this is my perspective. I don't have any inside information, but that's absolutely how I viewed it. As soon as I saw, I was strictly, like, yeah, got it. Hey, great leader. Uh, but, but you failed uh, to me as a follower. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I think a lot of people don't look at the long. So when we look at those uh, those instances that occur, um, we, we we typically look at it only in the now and the present, and maybe yeah. some of the past, right? But um, right. we don't look at it enough. And okay, so if this is okay, what if everybody starts thinking that's okay? Right. And what if we continue to do this, right? And, and how does that, you know, how does that cause disruption? in good order and discipline moving forward as an entire force. So, and and I'm not saying that like, um, just like you're saying, we're looking at it from a different perspective. We're not saying that the man wasn't a good leader, right? We're not saying he wasn't a great leader. He may well be. And and maybe he even made the right decision at that moment because we weren't there, right? We we have no idea. Um, What we're we're just trying to say is maybe there's a different perspective we should also look at. Absolutely. Yeah, so I thought that was cool. So, hey, I wanted to ask you, though, did you get any blowback from that article at all? So, <laughs> I didn't get any blowback. Uh. Uh, but I, I did have a couple people say, eh, well, do you know something we don't know? And I, I said, no, no, this is just my opinion. I'm not speaking in any official capacity, right? Um, but my limited knowledge of how um, a fleet works Right. Uh, I do know a lot of times that the admiral is on the same vessel as the, you know, the admiral of the fleet is on the same vessel mm-hmm. as that particular captain. You know what I mean? And so I can imagine how it was circumvented and how it was viewed. But, but yeah, no, nah, I didn't get any real blowback. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still yeah. early. We, yeah. It's just been out for a little bit. But, <laughs> but yeah. 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 I'll let you know if I get any blowback from the on the comments. But uh, so far, yeah, it's been do. all good. Yeah, but it, yeah, you know, and that's what it is about the Llama Lounge. Um, you know, what we, we wanted to do on the Llama Leadership page was put out what people think. It's it's their op eds, right? And 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 we right. and I know, uh, Abi, you can you can um, you know uh, appreciate this. We really took it from the whole perspective of the Players Tribune. We were like, hey. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, by players for players. You know, we already we have right. plenty of opportunity to read plenty of leadership perspectives from the same people that write books. We wanted to hear from people out there doing it, and um, and just you know, raw items like this is what we're actually doing. We're not in a school right now, yeah. right? We're, we're actually out here, and this is what we kind of see. So we really appreciate you contributing to it. Yeah, no, I appreciate y'all for creating this, man. It's been awesome. I love reading them. Yeah, man. So then, so we go from followership to another F word, right? So we had an article that you wrote a little while back and you said it was yes. my favorite F word and, and you were talking about failure. So what were, um, right. l- l- can you, um, let's explore what were, what was your you know, motivation to go with that article and what you talked about in that one? So it's funny that we, we talked about him earlier, Chief Neely, uh, which was, uh, you know, uh, faith, family, finance, and fitness. And over time, I developed my fifth F, which was failure. And uh, for me, I tell you, we look at failure, I think, most times as a negative. I look at it as an opportunity. Um, You know, I have done some of my best growing in failure. I've done some of my best learning in failure. Um, Failure, I tell you, sometimes will show people's true colors. Um, You know, we, we like to use the word resilience and adversity. Well, those things don't exist if there isn't some type of failure. Right. Um, and so for me, I, I will tell you, I embrace it. I embrace failure. Now, there is a way to fail. Right? They cannot fail. on. I, I'm tracking that. Um, I'm not trying to say reward failure. But what I was illustrating in that article was we should be failing 
by trying to break through the barriers and break through the norms that aren't going to get us to where we need to be right um we need to be innovative in the way that we think innovative in the way that we do things we need to be strategic thinkers and we need to to be so absurdly far-reaching right in the way that we try to do things that we're going to fail right if, if you do things you never fail what are you really doing well i mean we could have done those things already right you know uh you know how many times did they fail with the atomic bomb before they got it right right you, you, you gotta fail so for me uh I, it's my favorite f word because it's something that again we don't emphasize on enough you know i will have airmen that won't try because they don't want to fail well, just like Ray Allen, you know, and Kobe have both said, hey, listen, uh, I, you know, you're going to miss every shot you don't take. Right. So if you if you're not trying, if you're not trying hard, I don't want you on the team. I'm going to be honest with you. I want the person that's going to take that next shot, even though you missed your, your last 10. That That's the kind of drive and motivation, you know, uh, determination that we need right within our ranks, honestly. Yeah, you know, and, and and then I've had this discussion with many people, and I'm on the same page with you. It, when you go into items, and I remember, uh, actually, Ian Eichen, um, uh command chief down in um, Edwards, he mm-hmm. uh, he was on an episode of this, and he was talking about, like, you know, that's how, that's how we have entrepreneur airmen, the one that are willing to right. go into something knowing they're probably going to fail 20 times, but it's going to take those 20 failures that you learn from before you come up with the final solution, right? Or Absolutely. maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand, right? It might be all those. Right. And, and, and the issues that I have with it is when we bring this up, there are some people, and I think we talked about a little while ago about how some people want to insert a word in there that's not in there or change a, the meaning of a word around. <laughs> and they look right, at right. it like, well, I don't think we should be promoting people making mistakes on purpose. And I was like, okay, mistakes and failures are different. <laughs> Right. Those, those are two very different things. Mistakes are right. okay too. Right. And, and I had a right. commander one time say it the best way. He said, Hey, Hey, we want you to be able to make mistakes and learn from them too. Uh, but make sure they're commensurate with where you're at. Don't be you no know, senior non-commissioned officer making a bunch of airman mistakes. Right. They should at least be exactly. senior non-commissioned officer mistakes. Right. And that really resonated with me, but failure is still different than mistakes. Right. We still, if you Correct. don't, if you're afraid to fail, you'll never stretch the boundaries just like you said and and come up with solutions if we're not willing to fail we will never come up with uh, a cure to what we're going on right now right a vaccine for what we're doing right now how many times have we already failed trying to figure that out right and if they're like oh we're just gonna stop (laughs) and and i'm gonna tell you man that's where we mess up with talent management right um Mm -hmm. is because we're afraid that it's not gonna work you we all right now right have a guy that's the best suited for position a but we can't because of dot, dot, dot. We make up 50 different reasons why we can't put that person mm-hmm. in there. Oh, well, this is a, a flight chief position and they're just a right. blah, blah, blah. Oh, listen, let me tell you something. If the our mission is hanging on one person, <laughs> yeah. we, we have already failed, right? right? So to me, I look at talent management in that same vein, man, you know, uh, I absolutely will stretch the, the, the boundaries of what we can and can't do with our person. Let's put this person over here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the right move. I know that they're a master sergeant and they should be dot, 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 but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's funny, man. That just that just reminded me of all kinds of stuff. Because you're right with the talent management thing. And uh, one thing, it was interesting. I was um, at Chief Leadership Course, and we were having, you know, a lot of times the conversations in between the lessons were the best ones, right? So as oh, they always are, right? Like, yeah. Right, so right. and now you got a bunch of chiefs in there, and we were talking about uh, cyber warfare and whether we whether or not we need to have every single one of those airmen looking good in uniform, passing RPT tests and doing all this stuff. Right. So it became a big right. debate. Um, um, you get a bunch of chiefs in there and they're out there. They're very, they have very uh, solid opinions on things. So I was going back and yeah, forth. Yeah. And uh, one of my buddies, uh, Kendrick Hinton, man, uh, shout out to Kendrick. He was like, I don't care if the dude passed the PT test. I want to win. <laughs> So, so right. he, he was like, if this dude could be drinking his Mountain Dew and smashing on uh, cyber terrorists, you know, it was like, then drink on, brother, you know, and it was just like an interesting view. And, and we do, like you said, we make reasons. Now, I'm not saying that there's no value because we do want people to be healthy, right? I mean, but, but there's definitely sure. some, yeah. some pieces there where we should at least not limit our thoughts on, you know, whether it's talent management or whatever else it might be. Yeah, we hit the easy button. It's what we do. We hit the easy button all the time, right? Well, this is the way we've done it, and it's worked. Oh, okay, but that's the way we've done it for 40 years. Like, you're saying there's no better way to do this, mm -hmm. right? Do we, do, we don't want to challenge the norms at all. So, yeah, man, I I mean, I've got into it with some some pretty high-ranking folks, right? Because I'm just not going to do that, like, at all. Ah, well, that, I mean. Ugh, I don't know, you know, so it's, it's, it's tough, man, because not enough people, in my opinion, think outside the box, but I say, you know, I, I, it's funny because I had a buddy of mine, Jay Hall, shout out to Jay Hall. He, uh, he told me something that really has resonated with me for the last year and a half. He was like, you know, don't put yourself in a box that's not there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I like that. And we do it all the time. We create these, these faux barriers, right. Of why, mm -hmm. We can't. No, we absolutely can do this. Like, no, that there's nothing that says we can't do that. There's a better way to do this. Um, you know, I'm challenging norms right now um, in, in the way that we train um, because we've been training the same way for the last at least 20 years since I've been in. Since I was an airman. Um, and I, I challenge that norm all the time. It says, hey, it doesn't make sense to me. Let's do something different. But it's uncomfortable for people. Right. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm right along there with you. Yeah, even like menial tasks. It's interesting because uh, so I was I was a, a flight chief of about 400 folks. And, you know, in CE, we, we often have like four or five hundred folks. So just as a flight chief, I had 400 folks in Spangdalem. And um, right. so I needed to not not have a full CSS, but I needed a flight program manager to help manage some of the admin yeah. stuff coming through. And uh, one of the things that typically, you know, senior NCOs are going to be responsible for are going to be like manning documents and updating the umper. And I know for our civilian audience, basically just our rosters where everybody is, right? So, uh, and typically right. a senior non-commissioned officer is doing it. And by the way, plenty of senior non-commissioned officers have never been trained and they have no idea what they're doing either. Uh, we're trying to fix oh, that. Oh, I'm well but, aware. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, so I bring up a, a, a young uh, tech sergeant and then after him, a staff sergeant into these rotating roles. And I just teach him how to do it. And I remember uh, right. my CEM called and was like, hey, who's, doing, who, who's issuing uh, position numbers out? And I was like, oh, uh, uh, the program manager. And I, I told him his name, you know, the name, the staff sergeant. He was like, you got a staff sergeant doing that? I was like, yeah. He was like, you have a lot of faith in the staff sergeant to make sure this gets right. And I was like, 
well, I, it's not like I didn't teach him how to do it before, you know, we did right. it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, and, yeah. and he was just like, you know, like miraculously surprised because, yeah, it was efficient. It was effective. The dude was knocking it out. And then what, what else was right. he learning as a staff sergeant? Right? He's right. going to know this forever. Right. Yeah. So, right. it, you know, those are just ways you could kind of think outside the box. It does not require a senior non-commissioned officer to do that job. Right. And, and, and guess who's doing that in a CSS? A staff mm. sergeant. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> so, right, right, right. Yeah. If you yeah. go to MPF, it's a staff sergeant there. But you're right. right. We, we put ourselves in boxes that aren't there, man. We, we create limits for no reason. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you, I try to knock them all down uh, uh, mm. one by one, man, um, because we've, we've got to evolve, you know, as a force. We, we do. Um, there's a lot of – we can't do anything today, right, about – our right our technology right that's going to take time we'll, we'll get there but we can do something about the way we think and approach problems that's for sure um you know i love the things that uh, we've kind of created that the f works right i love that mm -hmm. the spark tanks um th those things are awesome because it really just establishes a culture of strategic thinking right of thinking outside of the box and when you look at some of the submissions uh that people put to those you're like what wait why haven't we been doing that? Wait, that right. we just now are doing it, right. it's amazing, man. I mean, you're right, man. Sometimes it takes some radical ideas. We just had um, these Brazilian jiu-jitsu Brazilian black belts on the show, and we were relating a lot of the things that they were, you know, that they do in BJJ. To that, how does that relate to, you know, uh, dealing with things like maybe even leadership things and mm. responding to things and problem solving? And and I was thinking, man, we need to get our senior non-commissioned officers and have this dude put them like start on top right they're the the, the sure. experts on top and now you got to figure out how to not freak out and get out of this this position right i mean like because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. when you because it doesn't matter if you're in conflict or you're in any type of like just chaotic moment if you start freaking out you're not going to be able to solve that problem whatsoever but if you're you know if, right. you, if you got somebody on top of you and you're learning in this moment where okay this dude sit on top of you he has your arm and we can kind of start right. coaching you on how to uh, how to calm yourself down and then move your elbow and do the right things to, to get them off of you. That's going to translate to, you know, to, to, to what we do. Right. And it could be just an admin task, but it's going to translate to not freaking out and kind of keeping yourself calm and making the right decisions, to try to solve a problem. And, and, you know, I was just thinking about that. Like those are things that we could, think of that might relate and by the way i've had many ideas that have completely failed and blown you know they, they've gone totally left and i'm like i've even you know put somebody in a position where i thought they could take it and they just had some issues but i was watching them i was like all right not ready yet right <laughs> we'll reel it back a little bit <laughs> right. we're gonna reel right, it back right. a little bit but you'll never know right you'll never know and you know the That's other right. thing that i um i think is an issue and i think you could probably have some thoughts on it is unfortunately we reward the behavior of staying in the box sometimes, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we reward like, Hey, playing it safe. Right. Yeah. We, 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 we not only reward it, it's almost, uh, the requirement. It, it's almost, it's almost the expectation, right? right. Um, so much so that when someone does step out, it's profound, Right. I mean, man, there's times where I have conversations with people and they'll bring up something simple. I mean, the most simple thing. And I'm like, yeah, so yeah, so just do it. They're like, oh, 
really? And I'm like, wait, wait, why are we even doing that now anyway? Because we don't think like that, right? They, oh, you mean I can just go ahead and do this thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please go do it. it we haven't trained our, ourselves. Um, we are absolutely inside the box, reactive-based people, right? Entity, our, our culture is that way. Um, I think, again, I, I do think it's getting better. Um, it is. But, but we're not right there yet. Yeah, I, I like the Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, analogy, man. That's, that's, that's good. I think it's something that uh, really in, encourages critical thinking, right? Mm -hmm. um, because one of the things that's unique about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that, yeah, you could be, you know, black belt, brown belt, whatever, you know, but you can get, still get submitted, right? <laughs> There's right, a million different right. ways to submit a dude, right? right. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, one of the things that you said, I've had a, a million bad ideas, right? Dude, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that they're bad until I implement them. Right. I, I think all my ideas are great. <laughs> you just got to yeah. implement it and realize that was terrible. What was I thinking? Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you implemented the idea that you knew sucked, man, you need to go anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what were you thinking? It was like, I thought it was a good idea, man. Like yeah, why, why else would I try it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, that, that's what... No. Oh man, I do. Man, I admit I have to slow myself down. But, all right, let me think through this. Let me make sure this is this is actually something that I can execute, not just a good idea, right? Because um, you know, too many bad ideas, and yeah, now you're you're not credible anymore. Right. Yeah. And then you know, the other thing too is when you're coming up with these ideas, um, coming up with ideas is easy. Coming up with ideas that are feasible that that aren't against some ridiculous law that nobody isn't tracking. You know, you gotta, you gotta package yeah. your stuff, right? You gotta be ready, right? right? You don't just start throwing out random ideas. Like I'm gonna try this. I think it'll work. It's like, yeah, we've possibly tried that before and someone died. That's why we don't do that. Right. So you gotta really kind of think through, <laughs> uh, do some critical thinking, do your research and all that before you, you're ready. You don't have to be hundred percent ready to execute, but you, you at least begin right. to about 80% before you decide to just try something. Right. And, uh, sure. something that uh, I was told is good advice, man. When I was, um, when I, when I was a young senior NCO still kind of coming up, uh, one of my chiefs told me, Hey, you want to make sure you don't, you know how you get fired surprise your boss don't let your boss be surprised at least let them know what you're working on right yeah don't let your boss get surprised somewhere <laughs> right no i agree man i agree hey man i got so i got a question for you man um yeah. you know so you know and, and calm you know we're we're pretty big career field but our 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 units aren't huge like ce right you got five mm -hmm. six hundred people in a ce unit how do you effectively manage um, the level of investment in your people with a unit so large, right? Because listen, it, it's 125, 150, 180 people, that's doable, 500 people. How do you invest yeah. in them? How do you choose who to invest in, right? Yeah, so, so what I've done, and I've learned this uh, a while back, is that, you know, you get that many people, you're not going to be able to invest all of them. I think I've heard it numerous times um, in different, you know, leadership articles, or if you're reading books, that after 150 people, you start losing a lot of the, the touch points with people. And um, even at 150, that's going to be still a bit of a struggle. But, um, but when you get to the, these large numbers, what I've done is 
focused on caring about everybody, but focused my development on that layer right below me. And I hate using the word below, but the people that I influence directly, which would be my senior NCOs. So I spent a lot of time uh, developing, coming up with, you know, radical ideas on, like we had um, some instructors from Maxwell, you know, we're going through this whole COVID thing. So we're able to get them on here and, and we're able to have some conversations um, on zoom you know and all these other platforms that we had so i'm constantly wanting to pour into my senior non-commissioned officers starting with my senior math science then my math science and the and the master selects and and i'm expecting and i tell them i expect them to feed that down to to the ncos and then down to and the ncos should be like developing those airmen instead of just skipping over the ncos and going to those airmen i think it's real important that we trickle that down and and the way i keep that care and development uh care is and the relationships with everybody is um i have multiple flights some people might have multiple elements or whatever it might be however you might be broken down i try to have a, a monthly time with each of them where i'll have okay i want one airman from every single element to come have coffee with me coffee's on me um, and we just that's just their time with me and they can ask me anything and those conversations have gone from anything from just having talking about sports the whole time to doctrine i mean i've had i've had everything that come uh, from left yeah. and right yeah so i spent time doing that um once i left the element which my element was anywhere between 62 and 100 people depending on where it was um i couldn't do just everybody come into this let's get a giant room together and start doing some training and some development so i've really had to focus it on the layer because i i say this and, and the listeners will hear me say this probably multiple times but my my whole goal and purpose um wearing this chief stripe is to develop world championship winning coaching trees so i want people to be able to leave my nice. organization and go win somewhere else uh, and we can all win so there's possibilities there we're not playing against each other so um that that's just my goal so i, I try to focus on them and the cgos of course as well and the civilian leaders at that same echelon oh that's good man that's that's a that's a nugget right there i, I tell you that's um and that's something that not everybody can do and um mm -hmm. I, I i appreciate that perspective you know because one of the things i'll tell you right now i uh will get wrapped up in is you know trying to take care of everybody mm. <laughs> right you know trying yeah. to because you don't want to neglect you know what i mean mm. folks um and i absolutely approach as well similar to you do um but you know my my follow-up question you know will be is how do you or, or have you had a situation to where you felt like you needed to change a culture in an organization? And how'd you do that? Man, yeah, that was actually uh, the, the last two assignments, really. And some of it was deep culture. Some of it was um, just a culture of not knowing how to turn it on at the right time, right? Uh, I haven't had to really worry about too many toxic cultures. Um, I've had to remove some people in different positions, uh, or at least advise a commander too, but not too many of those toxic, full toxic environments. And that's probably because of the nature of my position. I do believe that leaders put that environment out there, right? Um, they, they have the ability to influence an environment when it comes to toxicity. But um, what I would say the multiple times I've had to change a culture, it had something, it didn't have to do with people didn't want to do it. They just didn't know necessarily how, and it was just a big mess. Um, I've, I've had people come to me and say, I've worked my butt off every day for like 12 hours a day and I go home and I have no idea what I did all day. I mean, like, I feel like I didn't even 
you know, move the needle at all. And I'm like, this is why. So I sit there and watch and I create, you know, our PME, people talk about it. It's like, oh, it's this. And they try to dodge PME and all this stuff, professional military education. Uh And I'm like, no, if you learn and you actually try to apply a hundred day strategic plan, right? With your team. Oh, sure, yeah. And you, yeah, you execute that. You see what the needs are and you identify levers of change because we cannot change everything. But you find like that one lever uh, and then that, that'll impact so many things. So I'll give you an example. Um, my last installation, the guys were just like, they were late on everything. Right. And they were, they were working late to try to make suspenses, whether it was evaluations, whether it was decorations or just random suspenses, everything was always late. And because it was always late, they were getting last minute taskers and they were working throughout and they had no mm-hmm. breaks in between. Well, what does that do? That means now they're working on admin so much that they don't get time to lead their airmen. They don't get to do development. Right. They don't get to go spend time with their folks, get into right, the right. shop. So, so um, I created, I noticed that that was the lever. We had to change that. So we went real aggressive with with um with our deadlines on everything they're like why we got to turn this in 60 days early it was like because if you do i promise you that you're gonna have more time back to go do what you want to do and um and they didn't believe me right at the beginning but as time went on it started working out and that's what i tried to help you like you got to identify what the lever of change is and you can't do that just off the bat you got to go in there and kind of watch what's happening oh that's good Yeah, yeah so so, yeah, so those are some of the things. Because a lot of times, man, people, okay. if you can, if you suck at managing stuff, you can create a toxic environment because you don't know how to manage everything. <laughs> like, everything's going haywire, yes. right? right? Yes. So people think, no, there's a toxic leader. It's like, no, he's just a crappy manager, man. <laughs> he needs a, man. Needs a lot of management skills. <laughs> so, man, it's so funny. So, so you know, kind of, man, it's all just comes full circle, right? So the, the article that I wrote, you know, about leadership is overrated. One of the things I didn't put in there um, but I have talked about in conversation is the need for better managers. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know that was <laughs> the old eighties mindset where, Oh, management. Right. But, but it's true. We need to teach better management skills. Right. A lot of times we, we penalize leaders quote unquote, right. When really it's not leadership that they're bad at. It's management they're bad at. They're mm. terrible managers. They're listen. They're motivational. Um, they they can develop airmen, right? Uh, they can they can get the best out of them. They can recognize they have good perspective, but they're horrible managers. They, right. If poor right well, right? <laughs> the the things that we expect from managers, and I see that man more more present together as our force starts to get younger. Right. As our leadership tiers start to get younger, what I'm noticing is everybody wants to put it on. Oh, they're, they're terrible leaders. I disagree. I think they're terrible managers. I don't think we've invested that management right aspect um, enough. Uh, they're, they're good enough from a leadership perspective. Right. That's kind of what got them there. It's the management style that we've completely missed. Them on. You know, I have a theory behind that, too. And I think. Um like our history together, knowing each other for so long, I think it kind of relates to it too. I have a theory that when we were growing up in the Air Force, we were put in positions where, I mean, I'll be tell you what, Camp Zama, we were like on a pirate ship for a little bit. We had like one chief and a bunch of us NCOs trying to figure it out, right? So there was a lot of challenge there because we had to figure out how to manage a lot of stuff to make sure we didn't all get fired, right? So there was a lot of opportunities there. And at the time, we probably didn't realize that we were learning a lot of management skills. And I'll tell you, Camp Zama, 
prepared me because my operational job wasn't taxing. You know, we, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't super hard. We weren't working ridiculous hours or nothing. Right. We, we, we had an important mission, but it wasn't an exhausting mission. So um, I took a lot of time right. learning about every single additional duty, right? Like every single one that we had. Right. And, and that prepared me for when I went to Travis um, on my first tour and I ended up running a 22 person shop because the tech sergeant got uh, removed and I was a staff sergeant with six years time in service. Um, you know, and I'm running a, an entire work center and I'm like, all right, let's go to work. And that management skills I gained from there. And then now they were tested at the next installation. Um, so what I would say that that adversity like really helped and the experience I had, but the other piece of it, my theory is, man, for a longest time, staff sergeants and tech sergeants were left with a tool bag at work. They weren't getting developed on that management piece. They weren't getting developed on a lot of things. And there was airmen come out of FTAC trying to be the next chief master on the Air Force already, or right away they're just trying to get BTZ because that's what they were told. And a bunch of senior NCOs that were either done or they were trying to get that next stripe. And there wasn't enough development down. And those staffs and techs, man, they got promoted. Now they're masters and seniors. You know what I mean? And, and they didn't get a lot of the, 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 the development on the way up. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing 100%. a result of now. Yeah. yeah no, just, man. I, 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 I went I off agree. on diatribe there, but yeah. <laughs> that's just feel like no, no, no. It's now. good, man, because it's, it, and it's, it's relevant, like I said, to the article that I wrote, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because that's, that's really what you just hit on what I'm articulating in that article about leadership being quote unquote overrated, right? It's mm -hmm. that, you know, there was such an overemphasis on it we left folks behind, right? And not left folks behind as in they're still there, but we left them there from a developmental piece, right? We, we stopped focusing so much on followership, on managerial skills, on true development, and put all our eggs into the leadership basket, right? And said, this yeah. is what you need to be successful, right? Yeah. And so where you do, you know, some of it paid off. We do have some leaders that are, that are very good, but very solid, came up in that culture. Well, we can, and um, I, I think you hit it right on the head. There's definitely an, an imbalance, right, on what the expectation was from our senior NCOs versus our airmen, and we kind of messed up in the middle, right? Yeah, and we uh, and we also at some point decided that the word management or being called a manager is the worst thing you could ever be called. You know, we vilified the word, and that's where it kind of went awry. You got to be a good manager, you know, at least an effective. You don't have to be the greatest manager ever, but you know, if you if you can manage stuff, right? You got to manage your people, you got to manage resources and all that stuff, and then you got the leadership skills. That, that's when you start rising, right? And you start, you start really growing. But you got to figure out that management piece early on um, and grow into some of the other leadership opportunities you have. So I think we, we missed a boat and I think we're trying to, sometimes I feel like we're overcorrecting the other way, but we, we, got to, you know, we still got some work to do. But all the stuff we kind of talked about, I feel like you know, whether it's uh, being more innovative and everything else that we're talking about, I think we are getting better now you know we're starting to see a lot of it and and granted it might just be us thinking man you know yeah, it might absolutely. be the old people sitting on, on <laughs> sitting on the porch now but you know but i just right, feel like right. there's a lot of great progress going on but i think um these open conversations that you and i are having are pivotal to you know they're instrumental to um finding that improvement because we've got to call it ugly sometimes before we can ever get to the next point correct yeah. correct no you're absolutely right it, it starts here man it starts with these conversations and i love it yeah, bro. So, 
Man, and I think we will, man. You're, you're in the Llama family. You've written numerous articles for us. Uh, I mean, the, the, the other great power struggle is coming out soon. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to plug it for a moment because there's some good stuff in that <laughs> one, too. Uh, people are going to become Abby Scott fans, man. They're going to be like, hey, man, all these articles are amazing because uh, you, you, you call it how it is and, and, you're, and you're not afraid of, uh, of being different when you write your article. So thank you so much for that. Oh, I appreciate you, man. Uh, you know, just for giving uh, me this opportunity and really this platform, right? Um, you, you know, the the podcast. This is this is absolutely awesome. But you know, just having that page, that Llama Leadership page, man, and that platform to give folks, you know what I mean, that that platform to really speak their mind, right? Um, and to give folks a different perspective, man, is really awesome, man. So I appreciate you, man. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'll I'll tell you a secret. We were all considering at one point, and you know, we always just kind of come up with ideas and thoughts, and we're like, you know, are the articles needed anymore? I mean, we were doing the podcasting now, but then, um, really, part of the reason why we're like, no, we got to keep these articles was your article that you wrote, and some of you know, plenty of other mm-hmm. great ones that came along. We're like, no, we got to keep these articles coming because um, they're value added. Now we may um, switch up how we're going to deliver them, which I'm not going to share on here yet until we're still trying to work sure, on that. Sure. But uh, but we're gonna we're, yeah, we got yeah. some stuff in the works. Um, but hey, man, so we got um, we always try to end these with a leadership rapid fire. I'm about, you asked me a couple questions. I'm about to ask you a series of four questions. All right. All right, brother. I'm in. All right. First question. What is your favorite leadership trait? Ooh, humility. All right. Humility. Cool. So, all right. Question I'd number say, two. I say humility. Yeah. Okay. Question number two. What is your favorite quote? Oh, easy. Um, it's about loyalty. It's uh, in Colin Powell's book, It Worked For Me, um, where he says uh, loyalty is um, disagreeing strongly and executing faithfully. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that was in the awesome article that you wrote, and I love that one too. Sweet. All right. What is the number one book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? Number one, I'm going to say it worked for me. Um, the, The Colin Powell book. Man, there's so many nuggets in there. Um, and it, it, that, that's one A. And if I had to go one B, I'm gonna say the alchemist, but you got, you got to critically think to get the ones out of yeah. the alchemist. But, uh, I'd say it yeah. worked for me and, uh, the alchemist. Yeah. Yeah. The alchemist is a great book, man. I've met so many people that found so much goodness in that. And then it was, but it's funny. It's, it's polarizing. Some people are like, I don't know why everybody likes that book. But <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, yeah, you do oh, yeah. kind of get to another level with that book. <laughs> it's, it's not for everybody. Right. All right, cool. So, and then we always end it with question number four, which is kind of playing off of our motto at the Llama Lounge. And it's the deepest question we have. How do you find harmony between life, learning, and leadership? That's a good one. Wow. I think it's all about where you're trying to be and what you're trying to be as a person, right? Um, I'm constantly in a state of prioritizing, right? Um, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy. Right? Um, you know, my, my faith and my family, kind of going back to what I said, that those are always going to be first. Um, and so when those things are, are in balance, everything else is easy, man. You know, um, I, I prescribe to a model of it's just work. It's just work, 
right? Doesn't matter how hard it is. Doesn't matter how difficult. It's, it's just work. We're going to do it. Um, and so I've realized that, uh, yeah, when 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 my faith and my family are good, uh, and I keep the mentality of it's just work, man. Things life's good, man. It's, it's uh, a harmonious. I see this stuff is as hard. It's just what I do. You know what I mean? And I enjoy it, right? So. With that being said, man, it's a uh, it's about those two things, and everything else falls in place for me. Yeah, and you know when you said that, that just reminded me of this. Uh, somebody said it recently and said, "Hey, I said it's simple. I didn't say it's easy. I mean, <laughs> you know, a lot of those things are like that. You know, right, a lot right. Of things where like, yeah, like I always tell people one of the simplest piece of advice I give is like, hey, be good at what you do and don't be a jerk, and you're probably gonna go far in life. But man, how hard <laughs> is that for people to do?" <laughs> <laughs> simple advice hard to execute sometimes but hey but man yep. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time man we're gonna have to have you on here again um to talk about some more real i mean just some real stuff and i uh, really appreciate Anytime, it and like i said i've been watching from a distance and um the growth that i've seen uh i know we've both grown a lot since the last time we worked together and i'm just extremely <laughs> yeah. extremely uh extremely proud of what i've seen you you doing and just proud to know you bro appreciate it brother man thanks for the opportunity man it's been it's been a blessing to watch you from afar man so uh yeah. keep doing what you're doing man you're an inspiration for all of us Thank you. Thank you. All right. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening um, and spend some time with us at the Llama Lounge. As always, be safe, stay healthy, and llamas are out. Thanks for listening to the show. We'd love for you to connect with us at www.llama-leadership.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash llama leadership and also on Instagram at llama leaders. And a big thanks to Mike Whitmer for the music. To check out more of this stuff, go to soundcloud.com slash Mike Whitmer. Thanks again. See you on the next episode.